0: If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Well, Thanksgiving's upon us. You know what that means? After Americans stuff themselves and get even fatter than what they already were, they go to stores, retail stores, and they riot and they beat each other up over items, you know toasters, ironing boards, TVs. After just saying thanks and being grateful for all they have, they riot and they beat each other up. And I have to say, I love it. I love watching the Black Friday highlight reels of these idiots beating each other up and pummeling themselves i think it's great i think if we just get these idiots together all the time and they eventually take each other out of the gene pool we'll be stronger as a collective humanity <laughs> just, i don't know that's that's just my perspective on it jenny that, jenny those are my words of wisdom for this week but our featured guest she is a warrior a warrior of compassion and there's that side of Thanksgiving, it's that real dark side that so many animals are slaughtered every year, especially on Thanksgiving, a lot of turkeys are slaughtered. And, and I know some of you that eat meat probably like, oh, you know, you're crazy. Well, I think that you're crazy. I think that it is such a dark and barbaric thing to slaughter a sentient animal, a sentient being, you know, for, for food. You know, animals are are like us in so many ways they have feelings they have compassion they have you know brothers sisters siblings they, they're here to experience life and there. a lot of these animals are very intelligent especially pigs so why are we butchering them why are we slaughtering them in such a horrific manner you I know mean, i can say that, it, that it's collective ignorance but i think we're ready to move we should we should have moved past this a long time ago and our featured guest is going to explain know, where things are, where the movement's headed. And I think one of the greatest things, if you're, you're somebody who says that you're compassionate, well, be compassionate, not only towards human beings, but be compassionate towards all living beings. You know, some people out there say, I'm pro-life, well, pro-life, I'm pro-life. Well, if you're going to be pro-life, be pro-life towards everyone. Be pro-life towards all living beings. Life encompasses all living beings. Let us begin tonight's show. Joining us now is Amy Jean Davis. She's the founder of a fantastic organization called L.A. Animal Save. Learn more about it by going to laanimalsave.org. Ms. Davis is a passionate vegan. She's actually appeared on the show American Idol. And she works with a lot of other individuals to bring to the world's attention the atrocities that are committed against animals and to teach lessons of compassion. Miss Davis, it is a great honor to have you with us today. Thank you for being on our show.
1: Oh thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Miss Davis, can you please tell us a little bit about what your organization does and if other organizations do what your organization does nationwide, worldwide?
1: Yes. So LA Animal Save is actually part of the greater group which is called the SAVE Movement. We are a a global network of activists all around the planet. Uh, There's over 600 groups. So LA Animal Save is just one of those save groups. We happen to be the biggest group because Los Angeles is full of amazing people that uh, do what they can for animals every day. And the, the goal of our group is to find places such as slaughterhouses. And we go there to try to bear witness to the animals. So the way that we're able to access the animals themselves is usually by stopping the trucks before they actually go into the slaughterhouse gate. And so we stop the trucks and we get up close to the animals. We give them water if they'll drink it and we're bearing witness, which means when we know that there's suffering going on, we don't turn away. We instead come as close as we can to the one who suffers and try to do something to help. So we're there to see the animals, for the individuals that they are and do something to help, which is offer water if they will drink it and take their photos and videos and share their stories on social media. And we actually um, have quite an impact to people all over the world to either give up eating animals or if they were already vegan, a lot of the people are are, um, inspired to become activists.
0: Fantastic. Now, can you please explain... What some of the impact your organization and other vegan based organizations have had on the meat industry and on helping animals to hopefully get spared for some of these grisly fates? Because, I mean, there's one thing I've I've observed in the last couple of years I see a lot of wonderful companies out there providing alternatives to meat thriving. And I'm wondering if that has to do with your efforts. I'm wondering, you know, some of the things your organization has directly done.
1: Well, I think, well, my organization definitely has impacted people to stop eating animals and look for these alternative plant-based meats and cheeses. Um, but each organization that's out there has their strengths, it has their style, their strategy for activism. Ours is bearing witness at slaughterhouses. Other organizations might go out and leaflets. So they're handing out information to people on the streets. Other organizations might actually go in and disrupt a restaurant, holding signs saying, look at who you're eating. Every organization out there has their different style of activism. And it's, it's necessary because humans are so complex. One thing is not guaranteed to work. So we need to actually try all of these things. And the reason why this is so important is because animal agriculture is not only uh, inflicting unimaginable pain on these animals, but it's also full of environmental destruction from the rainforest to the oceans to the to the usable land and water. It's full of oppression towards the farmers themselves and the workers on those factory farms, the workers in the slaughterhouses, uh, low-income neighborhoods that are in what are called food deserts that don't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables in their quote-unquote grocery stores. Um, so this is why I thought it's so important. And I know you didn't ask that, but this is, uh, it kind of uh, explains why so many organizations are dedicated to teaching people about veganism because it affects so many different global crises that are going on.
0: No, I'm absolutely glad you brought it up. I mean, it's incredible the, that so much farmland is actually wasted on it and the and pure cruelty. And when I think about what your organization does and I think about why people are choosing not to eat meat, I look at those people as people who are generally pro-life because we see some people in our country that say, well, I'm pro-life. I'm part of the pro-life movement. Yet these individuals don't have a problem with war. They don't really see them out protesting war, which is one of the most destructive ways of you know ending life, and they're eating meat. So I'm like, well, how can you really tout being pro-life? I mean, it's like selectively pro-life. So from your perspective, what does it reveal about an individual right. or an organization that commits itself to not doing harm to animals or the planet. Do you think that what you are doing, what you are standing for, is part of a morality that we should all strive for as collective human beings? Do you think that if collectively speaking humanity chose not to inflict harm upon each other, people upon each other, or animals, that we would be a more, much more moral culture?
1: Uh, the short answer, yes. <laughs> um, the, the long answer is, oh, there's so much going on there. Um, for example, I went to a screening of the documentary uh, New Town, which was about, is about the Sandy Hook massacre, where uh, you know a guy went in and, and killed a bunch of elementary school children. At the end of that screening, the filmmakers were actually there to, answer, to do a Q&A. And I don't remember the question that was asked, but uh, they answered about how there is a link between animal cruelty and human violence, human to human violence. And they're actually looking into this. Now, knowing that, that there is a link between animal cruelty and human to human violence as the child gets older, why do we think that it's okay to have a foundation for our societies on this institutionalized violence against animals? People want to say, "Well, animals don't feel. Well, scientifically, we know that that is completely false. So we know that these animals feel. We know that uh, we know that in our legislation as well, because we do have laws that protect some animals, and we have some very um, very light laws as it as it relates to animals that are in the food industry, but those don't don't do very much at all, but they're there. because we recognize that animals feel pain. So when we see a young child inflicting pain on a squirrel or a frog, we think, "Oh goodness, we need to we need to monitor that kid and make sure they don't continue that behavior." But then we turn around and hand them the body parts of another animal that was brutally murdered and had an absolutely miserable life. So there is a conflict there from our natural sense of compassion where we know it's wrong to hurt someone who can who can feel pain, and what we what we have established in our societies Um, as as just, you know, part of our culture, our traditions, what we do. So I like to call this human supremacy perspective disorder. It's a mouthful. But we we have this view that humans are, are supreme, that we are on top, that we can do whatever we want to others. But it's just our perspective. And it's definitely a disorder because it results in human to human violence, And the destruction of the planet, people are in uh, in the rainforest, the indigenous people there are losing their homes. Um, It's it's full of violence in so many different ways. So when we say, I'm not going to participate in any of that, and we teach our children and we teach each other, if somebody can hurt, don't hurt them, especially when there's another way, and as it relates to food, All of our nutrition is available in plants. There's absolutely another way. And it's not just another way. It's the way, if we want to sustain the population on the planet, we need to actually be educating people and get them to see what they've been taught in their culture wasn't based on truth. It wasn't based on science. It was based on the uh, ideology of industries that want to make money. And all it does is is perpetuate uh, more and more violence.
0: Davis, what I'm curious about is the idea of brutally slaughtering an animal, and it's an innocent animal. I, it's one of the most heart-wrenching things, and I I can't stand it. I can't watch those videos that Mercy for Animals posts. I mean, I do watch them, and they make me really sick. You show them to other people, and then they're, they're just kind of like out of sight, out of mind. So how is it that something so obvious, something that you know the people themselves would never dare to do? I don't think most people would you know, be able to slaughter an animal in the way these animals are slaughtered, yet they have no problem paying for the end result of that. Why is it that, collectively speaking, veganism has it's got such an uphill battle? Why is it so difficult to, I guess, grow this movement and expand this movement? Because, you know, even among my own family, I guess I'm quote unquote the weirdo because I don't eat meat, I won't eat cheese, I, I just refuse and my number one reason is because I don't want to inflict any pain and suffering upon any animal. Yet, you know, if you tell people that you're vegan in our culture, they look at you like you're strange, like there's something wrong with you. And I, I can't figure it out. I feel like it's the exact opposite. Like, how could anyone be okay with this stuff? So, what are some of the challenges that you see within the vegan movement ahead? And how, where do you see it pr- projecting in its future?
1: Well, there are two main reasons why our job is so hard as vegans to bring this information to the masses the The first one is we 're going up against a social norm now, anytime anyone goes up against a social norm in their culture and their society it's going to be difficult it's the one versus the many and and um, few people can um, uh, people people are for uh, mass agreement they're they're enamored by mass agreement they can't really deny the allure of mass agreement so Social norms are hard to deconstruct in the first place. That's why we're seen as weirdos, at least at first. So social norms are very hard to go up against. The second reason is because the reason why these things are so ingrained in our culture is because industry has been in charge for a long time. The greed, the, the, the money-hungry profit-making goals of the meat and dairy industry as it uh, also connects to the pharmaceutical and medical industries. There's been profit that they've been making. And so these people are, you know, he who holds the money holds the power. So they have influence over what our children eat. They have influence over uh, what America is taught to eat because the USDA is responsible for Supporting the agriculture agricultural farmers in America, but they're also responsible for telling Americans what to eat. And that's like going to the tobacco industry and asking them what quality of air we should be breathing. The USDA is the US Department of Agriculture, they support the meat and dairy farmers. And so they're teaching Americans what to eat. So so with with this setup of the people who have the power because they have so much money have influence over what we learn to eat, what where children are taught in school to eat, even our doctors, they have influence over what our doctors learn in med school. This is why it's so difficult. It's an uphill battle. But thank, thankfully, because of the internet and people having access to, to truth and being able to connect with each other and talk with each other and answer questions, we're gaining uh, some ground there these industries have only been able to exist doing the horrific things that they do to animals and the, the horrific uh, closed loop in the medical industry, as far as teaching a a kid to eat animal products. And then as they get older, they get sick and they go to the doctor and they get on prescription medication. And it's a closed loop of this, of this forever consumer. All of that is being exposed. It's being exposed in a lot of different ways. And, that is how we'll be able to eventually cripple this. These industries can only exist in the dark and they're not in the dark anymore. And then with the explosion of the plant-based foods industry, people are are going through the fast food line at Carl's Jr. And they can order a Beyond Burger, which is just incredible. The exposure that people will have because these plant-based foods industries are tireless and committed to creating these foods that are just like the animal products that people were raised on, this is all going to end up in the utter collapse of the meat and dairy industry and for the better of our planet.
0: I agree. How close do you think that is to happening? Because I'm just going to say just from observing what I see, I see the milk industry definitely taking some hits. I think milk is disgusting. I never really liked it. But the fact that they actually have so many alternatives, cashew milk, almond milk, It's a lot more healthier for you. I wonder if that is going to be one of the first things that goes. I mean, where do you see, as far as the um, meat and dairy industry, where do you see them at the weakest that they're most likely to to collapse in the foreseeable future?
1: Well, I agree with you about the dairy industry. It's disgusting and the worst one as far as what the animals have to go through, which a lot of people don't realize because they're taught to think that there's nothing wrong with taking milk from a cow. Cows just make milk and they need to be milked. It's all very, very demented. but. The dairy industry will be the first to go. They've had to be bailed out by our government, uh, you know, two years in a row with billions of dollars the, uh, on top of the billions of dollars they already get in subsidies. Dairy is definitely taking a nosedive and will be the first to go. And, and meats will be uh, right behind them. And I'd like to think that by 2026, which is only seven years from now, that plant-based meats and cheeses are going to dominate the market and the available meats is going to be much less um, to the point where it's almost taboo to go to that section of the grocery store to buy it. Awesome. Because the, yeah, <laughs> the, the quickness that this information will continue to spread through social media, through documentaries, through celebrities making the change especially celebrity athletes and seeing how much better they're able to uh, do at their sport and their recovery time being shortened. All of that is just going to continue to snowball and so plant-based food industry is going to continue to explode and the meat and dairy industries are going to implode.
0: Good. I'm really happy. Now, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm serious. I'm thankful. I'm, I love yep. the meat uh, plant-based alternatives. I was actually it was Jane Velez Mitchell. She was one of the people that started talking to me about veganism, and I was I was already Lucky. I was already vegetarian. And then she she got on the phone one day. She goes, "Are you still eating cheese?" I was I said yes, and my goodness, she's a dear friend, but she yelled at me and she yelled at me very good for for about a half hour. And after that phone call, I didn't touch any more cheese. I was like, wow, I was like, because I, I, I didn't want Jane to yell at me. But you know what it was? It was a wonderful thing because <laughs> after I stopped eating cheese. My skin complexion dramatically changed and it was just really good. Uh-huh. And you know, for some people out there that are still consuming meat or still consuming you know cheese, what three ways what are three reasons why you'd recommend that they they give veganism a try or how can they make the transition? Because, you know, if you go to a a Chinese restaurant or you go to a you know, get sushi, I mean you, your options become so dramatically scaled back if you choose to be vegan. So what are some of the things you would recommend to these people? How can they still have a wide palate of food to eat, even though they're no longer consuming, uh, choose no longer consuming meat or cheese or fish for that matter?
1: Oh, a uh, great question. So first of all, there's somewhere around 30 to 40,000 different edible plant species on this planet compared to a handful of animals that we eat. So as far as the availability of food, there's availability in the plant kingdom. It's the animal kingdom that depending on our culture, there's only a few animals that we will eat or that we think it's okay to eat. So the variety exists. It's just, it's the fact of, you know, how, when you learn a new word or, or you, uh, you, you get a new car and suddenly you hear that word everywhere, or you see that car everywhere. It's just bringing that awareness to the front of your brain and then you will see it. So if you go to the grocery store or go to a restaurant looking for the vegan options, you probably missed them before, and they were right there. There's uh, tons of help for people who wanna go vegan. Um, one is an, an app called Happy Cow. Happy Cow lists all the vegan, vegetarian, veg option restaurants all over the world. And so they just you know open up that app and it'll tell you right near you what's available. And there's uh, organizations such as Vegan Outreach where they will set you up with a vegan mentor for free, somebody who can help you go to the grocery store with you and uh, share recipes with you and just give you support. I happen to be one of those uh, vegan mentors myself. So cool,
0: vegan mentor, uh, never thought about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, trust me. (laughs) In this kind of uh, social justice movement, ethics are such a strong part of this that there are so many people willing to donate their time to help others make this connection. Um, But as far as just looking in your own refrigerator, just take a look and see which dairy products you use because all of them have a plant-based alternative in the grocery store. And so many grocery stores are carrying these plant-based alternatives now. You don't have to go seek out a Whole Foods or a Sprouts to find these foods. Most grocery stores have them. So an immediate easy fix, uh, switch your dairy, your cow's milk for plant-based milk, and you know, get a couple different kinds and see which ones you know. Try try them all until you find the one you like because there's there's too many vari- uh, you know, different variations for you not to find one that you like. And then from there, try the famous Beyond Burger. Oh, I And love the it. Beyond sausage. I am I know.
0: nuts about those two. I make the <laughs> I have the Beyond Burger right now in my refrigerator, and I don't know if you experienced this, but. When it grills and it gets really wet, I mean, it, it grills just like a regular burger, and, it, and it's got yeah. like a, a lot less suffering in it. There's no suffering in it, and it's very yeah. healthy for you. A lot of health things for you. And
1: it's, it's eco-friendly as well. Um, somebody did a study. You could find it if you Google it. They, they analyzed just how much less water, land, and resources it takes to make a Beyond Burger versus a conventional uh, cow flesh burger. And it's, this, the savings there from the environmental perspective is huge. It's actually sustainable, which is, which is good news, especially as we're looking at, what, 11 more years before the climate really starts to, you know, be catastrophic for everyone. Uh, so the sooner we can all be choosing foods for the eco-friendly uh, value, the better. But yeah, switch out your dairy products, find the Beyond Burger or the Impossible Burger, uh, and just try some of these plant-based alternatives instead, and you'll find what you like. And then look up recipes. All you have to do is, especially if you like to cook, it's so easy. You like lasagna? Great. Type in vegan lasagna, and you'll get like 300 recipes (laughs) online.
0: I'll put my vegan lasagna recipe up. I've made this lasagna. And, Amy, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I've had people that drink like blood, the the, the most carnivorous uh, people, and they say I make excellent vegan lasagna. So I could probably make a lot of money off this, but I'm going to give this to the world for free.
1: Okay. See, you're you're like Elon Musk, just giving it out there just for free.
0: Just give it out there, put, putting it out there, putting <laughs> yeah. out the code. Everyone can improve upon it, and someone else will open <laughs> yeah. up a vegan list. Yeah. Uh, I've <laughs> talked to some people about vegan options and you know, not wanting to consume the flesh of animals and not wanting to harm animals, and one thing I get back is common, because I, I experienced this myself, is that if you buy the food where the animals suffer, it seems to be cheaper I mean, you could go to a store and walk out with you know, a box of Twinkies and a box – and it's cheaper than the vegan. I mean, why is it right now that organic food and a lot of the other you know plant-based foods are more expensive than the food that entails the suffering of animals?
1: There's a really great reason. Uh, the government gives billions of dollars in the form of subsidies to the meat and dairy industries. And the junk food industries for soy and wheat and corn. And they give only a few million dollars to the fruit and vegetable farmers. So we have billions for the meat and dairy industries and the junk food industries. And a few million for the fruit and vegetable farmers. Now, if we flipped that and gave billions to the fruit and vegetable farmers. And only a few million to meat and dairy farmers. Everybody would be able to afford organic Uh, nutrient dense, calorie low, healthy food, food that's actually going to give you the nutrition your body needs with nothing it doesn't need, such as dietary cholesterol and high levels of saturated fat that are all rampant throughout the animal product uh, sector. And and so everybody could eat every there wouldn't be a a thing such as a food desert where, where people can access fresh fruits and vegetables. And so it's the government that has this Totally top to turvy to the detriment of American health. Well, they're awful, which is why they're just awful. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I
0: don't like that. I can't, I can't stand any of them at all. So I'm, I'm not surprised that they're they doing whatever they can to work against us. So i surprised.
1: Yeah, it's, it's to work it's to use us. They're making money off of our, literally, off of our bodies because we become the consumer from a very young age. I mean, I saw veal. Puree in the baby food aisle in the grocery store. We become a consumer from the very beginning, and then we start to get sick, and then we get on the medications. That they'll, the doctor will tell you straight up, you're going to be on this medication the rest of your life. So you're a lifelong consumer of that. And so one helps once you know they scratch each other's backs to make money off of our bodies because we're diseased. And it doesn't have to be that way. We can actually take a step outside of that loop and be unaffected by it for the most, for the vastly the most, you know, most part by just eating a whole food plant-based diet. And then eventually the more people who are speaking out to their government, not funneling the money into the meat and dairy industries to keep that power loop going with people buying the products and then becoming sick and it just being this, profit-making system for them, they'll, they won't be having as much cash flow. And the fruit and vegetable farmers will. And then eventually we can get our government to switch push those subsidies or just stop the subsidies altogether to the meat and dairy industry.
0: Amy, I know some people have mixed opinions about celebrities. Some people say, ah, you know, some celebrities, they're annoying because they're they pushing their political perspectives or they they're thinking how good they are and how better they are than us. Then we have some celebrities that are doing whatever they can to bring to the world's attention the horrific barbaric treatment of animals and to encourage alternative ways of eating and treating animals. So is there any possibility you could tell us who some of these celebrities that are out there fighting for animals, teaching compassion, so we could watch their movies and support them?
1: Absolutely. Um, My friend Joaquin Phoenix is an incredibly talented actor. He's not active on social media, but he supports uh, local uh, animal rights organizations such as LA Animal Save and PETA. And he, he allows his image, his likeness to be used to teach people about the, the horrors of the food industry or the, the wool industry or fishing. And so he's, he's amazing. He is just, he's got a heart for animals. And he knows how wrong these industries are, and so he 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 works with with organizations to help help uh, carry that message out there further. So I definitely re- recommend his movies. The number one movie I would recommend is a documentary called Earthlings, uh, which he narrated, and Moby happened to do the music. Moby's another excellent celebrity musician who does so much for animals. He also uh, supports L.A. Animal Save and tons of local animal rights groups here in Los Angeles. He even has a restaurant called Little Pine where all of the proceeds, a hundred percent are d- uh, donated to animal rights groups. Um, Kat Von d is another excellent spokesperson for animals. She's got a, a tattoo, a vegan tattoo shop. She has a vegan makeup line, vegan shoes, vegan perfume. And she is posting, she posts about animal cruelty and it, you know offers uh, pr- provides these products that are great, high quality products to purchase instead of the ones that come from animal cruelty. um so she's uh, she's amazing as well. Um, there's just there's a lot a lot more and more celebrities that are speaking out once they see the light, especially celebrities like uh, um, Lewis Hamilton uh, race car driver. He's speaking out. He can't believe how much better he feels. Uh, now that he is uh, ditched the animal products.
0: Just tell you from my perspective, since I became vegan, again skin skin improved. I got a lot less fat, and it just feels so good knowing that you know, I'm, I'm personally I'm not h- causing harm to animals. And I, I always wonder if people could just do it just on that alone. You know, if you I know the animal I know bacon and some of these other foods they taste good for right now, but you know you can definitely move away and try doing alternatives. From your perspective, what really changed you? What was your turning point and everything that got you on this path?
1: Uh, my turning point was my sophomore year of college. I was at Purdue University and had just went vegetarian, and then I saw a woman on campus who was showing slaughterhouse footage and had leaflets. So I walked right up to her and, because naturally, I was curious what, what she was doing, and she handed me a vegan outreach brochure that's titled "Why Vegan," and even though I was a sophomore in college. And an honor student, my whole educational life, it was that moment that I learned that a dairy cow had to be impregnated and give birth before she could start lactating. And it was that moment that I learned that in the egg industry, all of the male chicks that are hatched at the hatcheries, since males cannot lay eggs, they just get ground up alive or tossed to suffocate in, in a trash bag the day they're born. So that was the day I learned those two facts. Even though I was 20 years old, honor student, you know, a scholar for, you know, in in school, I didn't know these facts. Now the one about dairy is astounding because that's biology. That's not a special industry thing that you need to, you know, find out because it's a secret. That's just biology. Cows are mammals just like humans. They don't magically lactate for no reason. <laughs> They have to be pregnant and give birth to a baby. And then the baby's taken away and killed. So that was the turning point for me. I thought, okay, I went vegetarian because I figured it's healthier and it's, it's uh, you know, nicer for the animals. And then I learned about the dairy and the egg industry. And I thought, well, if I'm doing this for the animals on any level, I have to cut out dairy and eggs because they're actually worse than meat. Meat animals are raised and killed. Dairy and egg animals are raised, live miserable lives, uh, an egg-laying hen lives around a year and a half before she's also sent to slaughter, a dairy cow lives around four to five years, multiple pregnancies, never gets to be with her baby, her baby's killed, and then she's sent to slaughter. And I thought, I can't believe I don't know this. I just It, it blew my mind that I didn't know this. So that's that was in 2002 when I decided I, would, I wasn't going to be a part of that and ditch the dairy and the
0: eggs as well. Oh, that's awesome. And then, uh, you know, it's, it's we said it's just it's so disturbing and, and I'm wondering why it's taken this long for humanity to at least acknowledge this barbaric treatment and why it's taken this long for people to even realize what's going on, to even take action against it. I mean, what do you think has been the main reason? Is it, is it the internet because everyone's communicating is the, the technological breakthroughs in the plant-based industry that is allowing people to have you know, sufficient alternatives? Do you think it's an actual shift in morality of people? I mean, I don't know because I think people are – what's your perspective?
1: Well, I think the reason that it's taken this long before people are starting to make the connection is, is because they came, by it on, they came by their ignorance, honestly. They're raised in a society where we're taught we need to eat meat for protein and drink cow's milk for, for uh, calcium. And so people come by it, honestly, they think it's a necessary evil that just has to happen. So people are, are taught not to think about it. Don't think about it, it's, it's not nice, but I have to do this to be healthy. So people come by this ignorance, honestly, they're taught this, but that, that's just not the case anymore. Uh, with, with, like you said, with the internet, people can go and look and see what actually happens to these animals on these factory farms or small farms, it doesn't matter. What happens them in the slaughterhouses, and they can read about, they can read the science that actually shows how the only thing that's ever reversed and cured our number one cause of death in America, heart disease, is a plant-based diet. They can find the, the, the information that teaches that humans aren't omnivores. We're nothing like an omnivore. We're actually herbivores. We're physiological herbivores. Which makes a lot of sense because when you feed an herbivore animal flesh and dairy products, they get sick. And the sickness starts in the womb. For moms who are consuming animal products, their babies are going to have higher amounts of of cholesterol plaque in their heart vessels from the womb, from the get-go. So it's taken this long because people were taught this is how it has to be. Don't look. Just buy. Just eat. And that's changed. That's completely changed now.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I, that's what I hope to be part of the efforts and get as many people as we can. Be part of this efforts to change because, you know, I think if you have people that are really passionate and they're putting out a good message and it catches on, it'd be really wonderful. Hey, the final question I have for you yeah. is Are there any particular books that you recommend people read that will, you know, hopefully inspire them to think differently or to treat people differently? Uh,
1: as far as, yes, definitely. Um, there's a great book called Circles of Compassion by Dr. Will Tuttle. That book is excellent for just talking about the 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 compassion that we've that we've fallen away from unknowingly and, uh, and shows you just how to uh, to make choices that actually have everyone in mind and to do the least harm. And then for people who are interested in more of the scientific view, the, the scientific evidence for disease and how animal products, consumption of animal products causes it. There's a fantastic book called How Not to Die by Dr. Greger that will teach them all about it. Uh, there's another fantastic book by Dr. Garth Davis called Proteinaholic. It addresses this view that, oh, we've got to eat protein, protein, protein and get it from animal products, which is, again, totally false. Uh, those three books are wonderful. One to teach people how to find their inner compassion and the other two for more of the medical and food side of things.
0: Miss Amy Davis, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Again, Amy is founder of a fantastic organization called LA Animal Save. Learn more about it by going to the website at laanimalsave.org. Miss Davis, thank you so much for being on the program. I really commend what you are doing, and I love your efforts, and I really hope that collectively speaking, we can put this world on a greater path of compassion, especially when it comes to animals. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you for having me on the show, Ryan, and thank you for everything that you're doing to help educate people to create a better world.
0: Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth. Special thanks to our compassionate warrior, Miss Amy Jean Davis, and special thanks as always to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Caza, and Ms. Constance Stellas. To learn more about the Outer Limits Minute Truth, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care and thank you so much for listening.